0: Welcome once again to Filmmaker's Cookbook, a podcast where we turn your favorite films into dishes, helping you expand your cinematic diets, something that I need to do for 2023. Less my cinematic diet, but just a diet in general. Okay, so this show is hosted, as always, by myself, Michelangelo White, and the neo-noir detective himself. This
1: is Oh, is that me? This
0: is (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. All right, you want uh, to introduce yourself then?
1: Hi, I'm I'm Charles. I'm a I guess a film detective.
0: You are <laughs> you're a hard-boiled egg detective. Ah, food pun. Got it. I will say that the connection here between the last episode and this one is that Jack Nicholson is starring in both of these films. He picks great projects. And he kind of disappeared this last like 20 years. Well, he's done
1: a few really good projects in the last 20 years. You can look at it on my post on our Instagram page. Oh, interesting. I didn't know.
0: Because you did. (laughs) We we spotlighted him on our...
1: Yep. On our Extraordinary Faces post that we do every Monday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which you can find... And our page film cookbook on instagram today we're talking about the 1974 film chinatown directed by roman polanski like i said starring jack nicholson faye dunaway and john huston yes. um the film is and we, set-
1: also just to just to say get it off the bat we realize roman polanski is a terrible
0: person but he makes oh, yeah. great movies that are worth studying I do want to actually say one more thing about Roman Polanski okay my mom actually knows him oh really so he's Polish yes and I'm Polish and all Polish people know each other (laughs) not just kidding but my mom and he's your uncle twice for (laughs) me nope nope not at all don't even want to associate myself with him (laughs) no but so my my family's in the film business too right so my, my mom was also she was like a stage actress for a little while before becoming a stay-at-home mom but anyways her and i believe her cousin both met roman polanski on at like a party or something like that and (laughs) there's actually a picture that she still has i think she took it it was like a picture she took of her cousin and of roman polanski and it was at like a uh, party and i think it was like several months before he left america back to poland to hide away from being thrown in prison so Mm -hmm that's a fun little story um, <laughs> about polo I uh, yeah, but i do agree with you yes terrible terrible man but we wish a better person made this film but he did direct this film and it is it's an afi's top uh, hundred list in their top 20 and last one we did one flew over the cuckoo's nest this time we're doing chinatown
1: go on, jake i'm doing it
0: gets
1: Chinatown. You get tough. You get tender. You get close to each other. Maybe you even get close to the truth. Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway in a Robert Evans production of a Roman Polanski film, Chinatown.
0: Now, so this movie, the film is set in Los Angeles in 1937, and it's, uh, you know, it's pretty complex plot it is kind of like a noir noir detective story i believe it's commonly cited as the first neo noir oh so it has matrix in it then
1: yes no neo noirs are just a more contemporary noir basically Neo-noir is a revival of film noir, a genre that had originally flourished during the post-war World War II era in the United States, roughly from 1940 to 1960. The French term film noir translates literally to English as black film, indicating sinister stories often presented in a shadowy cinematic style. I guess it's just, neo-noir is just considering the re- introduction of the noir dark filmic storytelling tradition (laughs) that had kind of gone away from the 50s
0: it does have a dark is you know a dark complex story and it does talk about themes of like corruption greed and like really goes into the dark side of america especially the dark side of the like history of los angeles and mm-hmm. as someone who is born and raised in Los Angeles, it's a very uh, you know interesting thing to see, to learn about.
1: Yeah, they're just dropping s- local town names the whole time. Yeah. And they're like, that's Ventura? Doesn't look like it. Oh, that's what it looked like 50 years ago. Got
0: that's it. what it looked like in the olden <laughs> days. Back in my day, we didn't have all these buildings. We just had dirt and dirt. Exactly. The character that Jack Nicholson is playing in this film is J.J. Geitz. You know who he's also based on a real life private investigator in Los Angeles during the 1930s. Ooh,
1: I didn't know that
0: fun and then like you said the they just call out a bunch of names of the city but actually it the film was shot in Los Angeles and on at a lot of those locations so it's Mm -hmm. you know it's not just like on a set in in Ohio it's you know it's actually in Los Angeles
1: it does have a distinctly Los Angelino feel about it it's all old Los Angeles but like it, it doesn't look like anywhere else it looks like Los Angeles true I actually think one of the interesting things about this film for me I really like this film I think it's really well made but I think so many other films have sort of stolen everything from it that I have seen before watching this film that having watched this film now it feels slightly uninspired because of that Mm. (laughs) like it feels a little been there done that even though this is the movie that really started that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had the same feeling about Blade Runner and Lost in Translation, which is like also movies that started sub-genres or like started big things. After watching them now, I was like, hmm, I feel like there's so many other movies like this and a lot of them are better than this. But then I have to think this movie kind of more or less started that trend. Or invented that, right? invented
1: the language that other movies maybe optimized to greater effect or or did so in a more modern way, which yeah. that's also part of it, is that like, you know, this movie was made in 1974-ish, something like that. Yeah, 1974, you're right. And- um, Right on the money. So there is that element to it, that it, it it's not gonna be as over the top as say a contemporary noir film would be, <laughs> by comparison. Like I'm trying to, what would be a good comparison? What's a more recent noir? Shutter Island? Shutter Island, yeah. That, that's a noir for sure and that one has like shit happening constantly whereas this movie kind of feels subdued until the last final act and I would say this is like a five act structure kind of film Mm -hmm. and so like the last 20-30 minutes it really picks up whereas the first hour and a half is a bit slow but it's very romantic not romantic like there's a lot of romance happening romantic in like the literary sense that it's all super detailed and it's gorgeously shot like on such great cinematography that and it gives it this like old Hollywood fashion sense yeah in a really unique way that the ending really expertly undercuts because I think if you were just watching this movie for the first time you could probably assume that it's going to have a Hollywood ending just based off of oh, these are handsome, attractive people doing, you know,
0: Hollywood things. It's obviously going to end with the Hollywood ending. Yeah. And then it so doesn't. Exactly. I think the ending was so interesting for this film. And I think actually the first time watching it, I had that same reaction. I was expecting it to be like, okay, he's going to win. They're going to have this cool thing. And it, it completely, the ending almost feels very so abrupt. So dark. Oh, interesting. Like this is where it ends. And it's like, that's it. It's like a dark, sad ending that you have. Yeah. And I, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I, I would that be surprised aspect. if you would. Yeah, continue. Sorry. That's it. I
1: just
0: <laughs> I just want to throw words in like surprise and and oh, I see sad to, to kind of you know pull up later be like oh yeah these are the flavors that I was talking about earlier. I see
1: you. I see what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no that I think that ending is why it is one of the greatest movies of all time because even modern movies today I don't think have such a successfully cynical ending. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That that movie is hard to top. I mean, it's 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 him like grabbing his granddaughter slash daughter and dragging her away from his his daughter that just got shot in the head, and he's like clearly happy about it. The grandfather, to clarify, (laughs) like and like it's just so dark. Oh my god. Yeah. Even even the line like earlier when Jack Nicholson is is trying to kind of coerce a confession about what's all actually happening here out of her, where he's slapping her and she's just saying, she's my daughter. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my sister and my daughter. It's so, oh,
0: (laughs) this is why this movie is considered to be a top 20 films of all time.
1: I mean, they're just, it's such a good twist that the movie expertly crafts. Like, It's so clear once that comes out what's happening. Using the word you said in the last episode, taboo, this movie fully crosses that line. But it does so uh, very purposefully. And it crosses that taboo line basically saying sometimes taboos do happen. This Mm -hmm. isn't a Hollywood script. This is this is reality and in reality dark shit happens
0: yeah exactly and i also want to say that going back to what you said before this movie does build up to it and it kind of sort of hints throughout the time and it even starts off it's like oh you know he's just kind of he just goes around and and discovers you know uh husbands cheating on their wives and whatnot but then also like he slowly starts to peel back this onion to discover all these deeper and deeper and deeper and darker things and it kind of eventually builds up to a very deep, dark mystery and with with an even deeper, darker ending. And I think even like you said, like the first, you know, hour and a half or whatever is kind of really slowly building up to it. I think yeah, I think that kind of it, it works really well. And I'm also saying this because it also is gonna be going into the uh dish I wanna pitch because I think it does the flavor for this movie, I think the ending and everything, it, it really works well in terms of how well everything is kind of built up over time. And it's perfectly I think balanced in terms of you're not Bored through the first hour and a half in this buildup of it, and it pays off really well. And I think that everything kind of is meticulously planned throughout to kind of perfectly set up this last this ending.
1: Yeah, it's it's just so perfect. The ending, even the the Chinatown motif that's been built up throughout the entire thing, it it has this quality of Rosebud in uh, Citizen Kane in Citizen Kane. Yeah. Like, the whole movie, we're trying to understand why everybody's talking about Chinatown. And they never show us Chinatown until the very end. It's just this this metaphor for kind of everything wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. This corruption. This is something that modern contemporary movie makers do not do enough of. is setups and payoffs. This movie is the gold standard for setups and payoffs. In terms of some of these lines. like Like, he tells her earlier tells Faye Dunaway's character, Miss Mulry, that in Chinatown, the police officers are told to do as little as possible because they know that whatever they do, it's not going to change it. It's just, it, it could actually make things worse.
0: And actually, it's kind of hinted at, they don't, I think, explicitly say it uh, in the film, how Jack Nicholson's character, he was a part of that system. And then I feel like that's kind of they kind of hint that that's why he leaves the force and then ends up going into private detective private investigator because he does, he doesn't agree with that system. And in his way, he can kind of more or less be able to do the right thing on his own, instead of being in this society where saying less is going to help you more and, you know, getting promoted more.
1: I think when we meet him, he's, uh, Cracking jokes, not very caring of his actual job. He cares about it, but it, it's, it's just a day job to him, as opposed to being like this all-encompassing thing. He clearly enjoys being a detective, but he doesn't want to actually be a detective on anything serious, <laughs> is the is what you kind of get from him at the beginning, which is also a really interesting character setup for a detective novel or a detective story. Because normally Uh the detective stories are like Sherlock Holmes types, or they care infinitely about the mystery and solving it. This is their whole life. That's not true for Jake. Jake is just trying to do an honest day's work, even if it means doing something a little dishonestly. Dishonestly. Ultimately, he cares more about making life less dreadful than actually, you know, doing good or solving the mystery or whatever a lot of these other more typical detective characters are thinking but to get back to the idea of setups the very last line is forget it jake it's chinatown that that's such an iconic last line and it it sums everything up
0: which is it too early to jump into flavors no let's do it
1: I don't think this movie is as complicated as m- maybe something like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is or some of these other movies we might get into. This movie is more straightforward. It's just really well made.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, because you said it's a, it's a really iconic uh, last line, I was going to say that I have a, an idea for a very iconic dish. But before we get into that dish I'm going to pitch you, let's break down the uh, de flavors.
1: Yeah, I think the flavors are a little more straightforward than you would be expecting for such a iconic movie i think the primary things are fear sad disgust and anger but they're kind of there the whole time just at varying levels yes i would agree yeah yeah and maybe some surprise
0: yeah i mean i I, you just kind of named that it has every single flavor in this so uh (laughs) it doesn't i didn't say happy true do you think there's moments of happy
1: i feel like it's there are maybe like slight moments where they're like making a joke but the scenes themselves are not happy.
0: I would say that surprise and happy are maybe I'm, <clears throat> there is some surprise twists but it, i think it's i think it definitely has the primary flavors being more sad fear disgust anger. Yeah. And i think like a secondary little bit of in there is the surprise and i think a little bit of happy. I, I wouldn't say i wouldn't discredit happiness in there. I would say that it's primarily maybe this like maybe fear or uh sad and anger kind of flavors i just
1: feel like there's a a quality of like angst and melancholy
0: i think melancholy is a flavor here and i think it maybe is possibly a compound of these different flavors i think we would have to discuss that separately on another occasion possibly but i think it's somehow one of these combinations of flavors or some sort of combination of these flavors do bring out that uh, melancholy, melancholy flavor mm-hmm. as well. So I, I would agree with you there. But I would agree with you in terms of how you would break up those flavors. Again, sad is, uh, surprise is spicy, happy is sweet, sad is salty, fear is bitter, disgust is sour, and anger is umami. So I think we kind of decided it's kind of a salty, bitter, sour, umami kind of flavor going on there with a little bit of spice and sweet and i would say yeah i agree with you in that and i want to pitch an idea for you okie doke so i had two ideas one i think i like more but i think a second one i just maybe was gonna pitch it out there anyways so maybe i'll start with the one that i don't like and then i'll leave ended on the one that i want to actually pitch give me both uh so the first one is uh, i thought dumplings You know, it's going on that China... These are both kind of going off of slight Chinatown dishes you would find possibly in Chinatown. So, dumplings, I kind of thought I liked because it kind of has a lot of the flavors you would find. And it's all wrapped up in this this package that you can kind of you break apart and you can kind of figure out different things also possibly maybe like a soup dumpling pretty much what they do is they make soup uh, and then they kind of cool it down and they have like little you know when you cool soup down the fat kind of congeals into like little cubes mm-hmm. kind of cut that up and they put it in the dumpling and so when you cook it and you break it up there's like a bits of soup in your in your dumpling as well because something like that where it has like all these like mouthful of explosion of flavor and it's maybe deceiving at first but once you kind of dig into the in the onion into this dumpling you kind of have this diff- different flavors kind of jumping out at you mm-hmm. and i would also say that it's chinese dish but also the polish pierogi is kind of like a cousin of a of sure. a dumpling right and you know the director Polanski is polish and kind of go with that round. Anyways, the second dish, the one I really wanted to pitch you is pecking duck. Interesting. So it's like a whole duck that they inflate with air and they separate, the air separates the skin from the body. And they do this process where they hang out the duck and they, they pretty much, they, they dry out the skin and they get it to this really crispy, flavorful thing. And then they kind of cut it up where they put it on this little piece of bread and they have like usually onions, cucumbers, and like a sauce, and you kind of just eat it with this like bread, this kind of like doughy bread, and this this duck with this crispy, crunchy, savory umami flavored uh, skin, and this kind of bitter, sweet, kind of uh, salty sauce, and then like you have that onion, literally onion, you know, the peeling back of this onion of this story, you got that onion in there which has that spicy, <laughs> and you know that crunch and Shred different reference. things to it. Yes. It's got um, layers. Yes, it it has layers. So I think that's what it is. And also it's, you know, I think Chinatown pecking duck is a classic Chinese dish, you know, going back to it's a it's a Beijing dish. Beijing is actually pecking, I believe, in Chinese. So Hmm. that's it's just it's just called Beijing duck pretty much.
1: I like it. There's something about it that, that's not quite reading correct for me for this in it's because I feel like Chinatown is so American that it like has to be like something American or, or something that's like American that... America has sold other American people as being authentically Chinese. Like a
0: fortune cookie?
1: Yes, but what's a version of a
0: fortune cookie that... Or like orange chicken? (laughs)
1: Maybe. Like, there's something inauthentic about it. And I don't know, pecking duck could be. I mean, okay. I I I like the direction and I like all the flavors.
0: The thing is, though, Chinatown has a pretty nice selection of not American. I think you can still find like a good amount of Asian food in Chinatown. I want to say Asian food because I would say that the Chinatown and, and little Tokyo areas of L.A. have not been primarily those demographic i think it's mostly demographics at the right yeah i think it's like there's a lot more korean and and vietnamese and there's like i think a lot of great vietnamese food also in chinatown but i think there's also like i think back in the day i would probably think that there was a, a large amount of chinese population that's why it would be called chinatown right so i think it's not more of going into like that part i guess the movie does not necessarily have anything to do with chinatown until the last 20 minutes of the film but this the movie is called chinatown right but it has nothing really to do with chinatown so i guess i kind of understand why you want to do like a dish that's maybe chinese food but not necessarily like it's more of an americanized dish but the mm-hmm. thing is though the reason why i don't like that is because i think the americanized dishes of the chinese dishes are not really good <laughs> yeah and i think this movie is great so i think like that's why i chose pecking duck is because it's such a it's such a great dish in terms of it tastes amazing but also like the craft and the dedication in terms of like how to go about cooking it is just masterful in itself and i feel like that really represents this movie because this movie is such a great work of art and that i want a dish that really like represents that aspect of it like I don't want to say oh it's orange chicken because like orange chicken necessarily is, it's not really good
1: also a lot of Americanized Chinese food is like very sweet like that's, that's yeah, how they yeah. made it American is they made it sweet so I, I, I agree with you there it, it doesn't quite fit either I actually wasn't thinking about Chinese food for my initial idea because for me this movie feels like like maybe a fine dining experience where the food is all immaculately prepared, but it's maybe not the most over-the-top flavorful food. It's food that has a, such a rich history of being made that you don't really change the flavors. It's just how good can you follow the classic sequence of making this food, I guess. <laughs> the classic recipe, you know what I mean? Because like I feel like this movie is kind of bland actually but only because it's such a classic that it's been ripped off so many times
0: you know what i mean so it's more of like a foie gras kind of dish uh i don't know why i'm connecting it to (laughs) duck (laughs) yeah isn't that like illegal in america
1: is it illegal in america i didn't know it was illegal in america but like it's, uh I'm trying to remember what it is exactly but isn't it like duck
0: vomit? It's like it's really unethical because they just like they stick a tube down a duck's throat and just like fill them with stuff and then you just yeah that's why it's not <laughs> I think that's why it's illegal in America because they're saying it's 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 unethical how they treat ducks in making foie gras. Wow. Um, that is horrible. I, also, I did eat it once actually though. It doesn't taste that good so I hope they stop doing it because it's it's I think it's not It's not worth it
1: Yeah I wasn't thinking Foie gras I
0: was thinking like Like a really classic steak The thing is though like Steak feels kind of basic to me I don't know But
1: this movie feels kind of basic to me And I I guess because it It created the basicness (laughs) No no no
0: Here's the thing Here's the thing is that I think like when you're watching it, right? It feels basic, but the craft itself is very well put together, like high end, I think right? It's
1: like a fine dining experience. Like it's a perfectly crafted, well, okay, okay.
0: That's why, like, hear me out here on this pecking duck thing, okay? So pecking duck is like. You, it's very basic when you see it in terms of eating it, right? Because you're just like putting some duck on bread and some onion and you're just eating it with your hands, right? Uh-huh. So like the thing is kind of basic, right? And it's not really like a high-end thing, but like the craft of making the duck is so masterful that it's like you're not necessarily considering it high-end, but it's just like takes a lot of work and mastery to do and make the pecking duck but when you're eating it it's just like i'm eating duck with bread so i guess here's
1: my question do you think chinatown as a movie is enough linked to america and kind of uniquely american experiences that the food should also be uniquely american or do you think it's more just like this is such a feat of craft that it doesn't matter what food origin we're talking about it's just we need a a dish that is a craft prepared meal
0: i feel like if we go on purely american food for a lot of these if we use that train of thought i think we're gonna run short of american dishes because i don't think america has too many dishes Mm, so this Um, is a
1: your argument is uh episodes future episodes and their utilitarianness i also would say that
0: i don't really think american dishes are all that great fair enough (laughs) i feel like open we have to open it to the world and we have to think about that so what do you think
1: Oh, I thought you were saying you had another dish that you were going to suggest.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm that was justifying why I chose packing deck. Why you duck. chose packing deck?
1: Okay. No, I, I I think that makes sense. I, I like it. I like packing deck a lot.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm down to change it. If you have another pitch, I just I don't think I, don't, I like steak. I don't, have... I don't think I like steak as a as a thing because I just think it kind of feels too basic and like i don't know i'm not even a big fan of steak steak would not do this movie justice i feel like and it doesn't it, it wouldn't really meet the dynamic flavors that this dish this movie also has but if you have another dish that could no i rival, i really don't i, okay. I like
1: the pecking duck okay well i guess
0: i mean i feel like then if you i like it then i like it let's keep it simple I can, how about this we serve it it's pecking duck and at the end you're also served a fortune cookie
1: okay
0: i like it Uh, now you have that american that american chinese like that american invention or it might have actually been invented in canada i forget but that non-chinese invention that is now so closely connected to what people american thinks of chinese food but then you have like this really traditional chinese dish that has a lot of craft underneath it and maybe the the fortune inside is actually a really sad fortune
1: i was gonna say it's missing
0: oh okay yeah it's there's there's actually no fortune inside exactly because this is the real world yeah
1: (laughs) and in the real world nothing nothing has real meaning there's just a switchblade stabbed in the back
0: (laughs) yeah sure
1: and that's how you carve
0: it (laughs) how about like neo pecking duck or Neo Duck.
1: Neo pecking duck. Neo pecking duck. We give it a little hat, like a little crime <laughs> solvers hat.
0: Um, and a cigarette. And a cigarette. <laughs> it's smoking. <laughs> but I, I like it. I think that's I think that sounds great.
1: I like it too. Let's do that. That's cool. All
0: right, well, until the next time everyone. I hope you enjoyed. This is the the second episode of the year, but this is the nineteenth ranked nineteen in nine AFI's top. 100 uh, we're going to go through the top 20 this year so I hope you guys enjoy look forward to the next one and we'll see you in two weeks on the next episode of Filmmaker's Cookbook bye toodaloo <laughs> uh,
1: that's my line